Oh, hey everybody! Hello. Hi. Hey there. Hey. Hey. Uh, thanks for coming around. I just uh, this is just kind of a big moment for me. I just I wanted to get you guys together so I could tell you something a little more serious. Oh, did you get a new job finally? No, not well. The finally, uh, no, not that. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to tell you guys that you know I'm not actually what you've seen this whole time. The person you know, I'm actually, well, I'm the same person, but I'm actually a sea monster. <gasps> okay, okay, but have you tried not being a sea monster though? Yeah. What? Yeah, you could just not be a sea monster, right? Like, n no. Uh, like, when I go into the water, I'm a sea monster, but when I come out, like, I'm just... I'm only this right now. I, I'm always a sea monster. See? Damn it. This is that conspiracy. The water is turning people into sea monsters. I knew it! Yeah, maybe you should just stay out of the water. It's too tempting. What? No, it's not the water. Well... It has to do with the water, but it's not, it's not the water. It's always a part of me. I can't change this. I don't know. You know what? I, for one, am really glad that you came and told us this today. And I support you in everything you do. And I love you no matter what. And I don't care what bigoted people have to say. Oh, uh, there goes the SJW in the family. <laughs> Typical. You and me, as far as I'm concerned, we're always going to be friends Above land or in the water. Hydro homies. That's right. Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel. My pronouns are he and him, and I am here with my soggy co-hosts. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm Cassidy. My pronouns are they, them, and today I'm just a boat traveling on the water, taking people to and from. Didn't say what kind of people they were. Just anyone who needs to ride in a boat. Well, that sounds peaceful. Yeah. Boat folk. It's a pretty good life, you know? Pretty mm -hmm. peaceful. Listen to a lot of boat rock? <laughs> <laughs> I avoid rocks whenever I can. <laughs> That's fair. A lot of boat shoes, maybe, on your deck? What? <laughs> I'm using nautical terms. Well, those aren't nautical terms. Those are just... Things that commonly are uh, prefaced. I with think those bumps. are terms that humans made up for me. So mm. I believe that's accurate. Yeah. Like the poop deck. Yeah. An important yeah. part of any boat. It's not what you think. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yeah. We'll hear more about that later. I'm sure. Yeah. But who am I? Who are you? 
I'm Jack Olander. I use any or all pronouns. And I'm just, I'm some water. Oh, oh. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, see, I already knew that because I travel along you and we're friends. Sometimes, yeah. Because I'm not all water. Right. I'm just like some water. Okay. But you know, it, it's good. It's a fine life. Yeah, what's that like for you? I I have uh I have my cycle I go through like anyone. I sometimes I'm in the ocean, sometimes I'm in the rain. Sometimes when uh I go down a big river. Nice. Uh, so some of my some of my cycles involve heavy flows. And uh yeah, it's just my life. Well, it sounds very peaceful. Thank you. <laughs> and guys, we're not alone here. Yeah. In this recording studio, we have a very special guest. We're haunted. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a cool haunting. It's a really yeah, good haunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Oh, me. I'm an underdog. You know, weird kid. Super Yay. sweaty. Alicia Murray. <laughs> My pronouns are she, her. Nice. Nice. <laughs> you know, we're always cheering for the underdog here at Swords yeah, and Satire. That's right. that's right. And we're so excited to have you here. This is awesome. Yay. Happy to be here. Nice. Yay. At Castle Satire. That's right. Yeah. And the torches are lit. Yes. It's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, guys, today, uh, Alicia, being one of our beloved patrons... Got to pick a movie that we're going to talk about. <laughs> and that movie is the 2021 Pixar film, Luca. Yeah. And I know we've all got a lot to talk about with this film. But before we do that, I think Cassidy has a little summary that they've been cooking up for us all. That's right. So, this movie centers around the character Luca. That's why it's called that. And um, <laughs> the friends he meets along the way during his one of his influential summers in the Italian Riviera. But the real friends we met along the way were the friends we met along the way. <laughs> First, he meets a land boy named Alberto who turns out to actually be a sea person. Like Luca himself. I think they prefer the term sea monster. Mm. I think that's the human term for them, actually. Possibly. Most people don't refer to themselves as monsters unless, um, well, we won't get into uh, Marvel's interpretation of what makes somebody a monster. Mm. Oh. Yeah, not good. <laughs> I should say Joss Whedon's interpretation of what makes sense. Oh. Of what makes somebody a monster. I get it now. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Luca's family loves him. They have a good life together being fish farmers or herders. Seems like a good life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but his mom is really overprotective and she doesn't want anything bad happen happening to him by the human monsters that live on the land. I mean, those are the monsters that I'm the most afraid of. Believe you me. So she has forbade him from going to the surface, which he promptly disobeys. <laughs> <laughs> like any good movie protagonist should. Yeah. But it was in search of friendship and adventure. So we can forgive it. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Allow it. Yeah. Luca and Alberto bond over their love of adventure and building Vespas. 
Ah, oh, product placement. Out of sea trash. <laughs> it might be safer than an actual Vespa. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> then Luca starts to become afraid that his parents are going to find him on land, and his mother threatens to send him away with his uncle, Ugo. Into the deep. When I was a kid, my parents used to threaten to send me to the deep, too. <laughs> so Alberto thinks up a plan that they're going to go hide out in the human town called Porto Rosso. Generally not a safer option, but sure, let's go for it. So, Alicia, can you tell us what happens once they get to the human town? Yeah, so they uh, go through the change. That's yeah. right. After they get out of the water, their scales dry, I guess. Their, their skin dries. and Very rapidly. Yeah, and then... They reveal their human-like form. Right. And they wander around the town asking people about Vespas or insulting people by accident. (laughs) (laughs) They think they're being polite. (laughs) They are obsessed with human culture or land monster culture. And so they repeat a lot of phrases that are super inappropriate to say to your elders. Yes. (laughs) So it turns out that stupido is an insult. (laughs) I had to look this up on the internet. (laughs) And what else happens? Oh, they meet Julia. Yes. A.K.A. Spulia. Yeah. That's right. Yes. I love it. The only backstory we get for Spulia is that she threw up a lot last year. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. every year, right? She's in the big triathlon. Is the it Port every Toro year? So cup. Yeah. So it starts out with swimming. And then you got to eat a whole plate of pasta. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And then you got to ride up. Crazy hills and then back down on a bicycle. Sounding less good to me. And every year it's won by some teenage fuckface. Am I allowed to say fuck? Yeah, yeah. Well, please. I don't know why I asked. Named Ercola. Oh, yeah, Ercole. Ercole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a fuckboy. Yeah. Yeah. And the wonderful thing about Julia is she calls out his evil empire of injustice yeah is that what it is yeah right we've already got we've already got the class struggle built into the film there it is i mean there's a lot yeah yeah but like they really say it very explicitly i like that so ercole has two kind of uh toadies toadies thank you (laughs) uh chichio (laughs) and uh guido that sounds so close to a slur. I, it I'm is. comfortable it saying is, yeah. it. That's okay. It is a slur. Okay. It's also a name. It's also a name. Okay. Like how Mick is a name. Mm. Right. <laughs> um, and they're a, the team of evil, I guess. <laughs> the evil empire of injustice. Yeah, yeah. that's right. The hench folk. Yeah, they win every year. And, uh, Luca, and they're bullies about it. Yeah, they yeah. are. And Luca and Alberto join Julia's team because they realize that you can turn that useless money into something cool like a Vespa. (laughs) Boy, Luca has this inherent understanding of capitalism that troubles me to my core. Yeah. And then they start a training montage, which is great. And they, uh, you see them like training with riding a bicycle, which is Luca's job. Alberto is the one who's going to compete in the pasta contest eating. Lucky! Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Julia's gonna be the swimmer. And she doesn't know... Ironically, the woman who is not the fish person is going to do the <laughs> swimming. Well, because she doesn't know that Luca and Alberto 
are um, fish people or, or sea people. And so they're trying to hide it. They're trying to pass as human. And so they convince her to be the swimmer so that they don't get revealed about who they are. It's a good ploy, except that, you know, they give the swimming to the weakest swimmer of the three of them. <laughs> not even knowing if Julia's a good or bad swimmer, just inherently, she's not going to be as good as they are. There's a lot of scenes where they're almost found out because they keep getting wet. Yeah, they get splashed <laughs> yeah. and stressful. It happens to us all the time. <laughs> but eventually, Julia does see that Alberto becomes a, f- a sea person. And Jack, how does that happen? Alberto is becoming jealous of Luca and Julia's bonding. Yeah. Jealousy in a film? That's right. So Alberto recklessly gets on a bike with Luca and puts them in a dangerous position where they are zooming through the town and get launched into the sea, which results in an argument between the two of them because they could get caught right now. And they're about to worry Julia because they can't show up in their monster forms. That's right. Julia finds them fighting on the beach in human form, and Alberto is just like, oh, by the way, we're sea monsters, because he's feeling kind of lashy-outy. Rebellious. (laughs) Yes. We're going to say teen angsty? That's right. Which is a single German word. That's right. (laughs) Teen angsted. And Luca tries to stop him, but he reveals his monstrous form, Alberto does. He's a glorious monster. Sorry, his beautiful... Sea body. Yeah. And uh, the bullies see him and try to kill him with harpoons. And not cool. Expecting Luca to back him up, Luca betrays. It's all he does. He denies his friend and that he himself is a sea monster (laughs) or a sea person. I was about to say, Luca denies his own humanity, but I mean. I guess it's the opposite of that. He desi- denies his own heritage. Yes. That's right. And so. Sea manatee. <laughs> Cryptid manatee. <laughs> manatee? Manatee. <laughs> That's right. And so. Alberto leaves betrayed. Poor Alberto. I think we've all been there. Yeah. But then Luca goes to Alberto's island where he was hiding out before living alone, and finds that his father had abandoned him there. Luca figures that out. And um, he vows to Alberto that he's still gonna, like, go compete in the competition and try to win the, the money to get the Vespa so they can travel the world together still. Aww. And it seems like they're gonna make up, which is pretty great. But there's still some tension. There is. Because Luca goes to town the next day to compete, and they split the team so that Luca and Julia are actually competing against one another, against all the other contestants. Gasp! Yeah, Julia doesn't agree with Luca's um, entry into the contest because it's dangerous. And she's yeah. his friend and she doesn't want him to get speared. Yeah. In the town that is known for its hatred, hatred and violence against sea monsters. That's right. This town has glorification of its... Monster-hating... Monuments to it. Yeah, monuments to it. Statues and and posters and murals of humans killing sea creatures. In fact, glorifying it. Yes. Everyone in the town is strapping. They're carrying harpoons. (laughs) That's right. Constantly. So, 
they actually both do really well in the competition. They are two of the contestants that are actually giving Hercules' team a run for their money. Literally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in the end, it turns out that it's Julia, Ercole, and Luca who are neck and neck in the final biking portion of the event. And they all make it to the top of the hill around the same time, but Luca pulls out ahead of the other two. And uh, he's worried because it starts to rain. And if you've been paying attention all along, water makes the sea people turn into sea people and not <laughs> land people. And just when Luca is starting to despair that he won't be able to finish the race because he can't reveal himself for fear of his own safety, that's when Alberto comes bounding up with an umbrella to save the day. Yay! But then Ercole comes around the bend and he's ready to finish the final trek as well. And he goes after Alberto to knock him down. Intentionally trying to expose him as a sea monster. And uh, what happens after that, Jamie? Well, after that, so Ercole uh, trips <laughs> Alberto, exposing him to the rain and therefore his sea person shape. And, and everybody who's watching the race can see it. Yeah, and everyone's just like, oh my god. <gasps> yeah, gasp, horror. We hate sea monsters for some inexplicable reason that we haven't established. They're different, they are. Yeah, mainly they're because different. they're different. <laughs> Luca seeing this is like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to go save my friend. And that's the most important thing. He loses all... Interest in winning the race and just wants to protect Alberto. He careens down the hill on his bike, swoops his friend up. In the rain. In the rain. Very dangerous. So they're both exposed. That's right. But in doing so, he also uh, outpaces Ercola and wins the race. So after Luca wins the race and is declared the winner, Ercola shows up like the whiny fucker that he is. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're sea monsters. We hate sea monsters. This town, we should just kill you right now. Because that's how we deal with anybody who is different from us. With murder and violence. Yeah. But, cutting through the crowd, Julia's gigantic father... Massimo. Massimo. Comes through <laughs> and is like, no, you know what? You know what Luca and Alberto are? They're my friends. Yeah. It's and, great. And suddenly racism is solved, everybody. Yeah. That's it. yeah. We can go home. <laughs> yeah. And then Perfect. two of the old women reveal that they were sea people also. Yes, two of the yeah. old women in the village reveal that they were sea people in hiding yeah. all along. Yeah. And they remove their umbrellas. And that's when Luca's parents run up and they're sea people too. And everybody's like, well, everybody's freaking sea people around here. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> They're not so bad after all. And, yeah. and somehow the fact that the sea people were living amongst them does not start any conspiracy talk. Right. Luca and Julia get their train tickets to go off to school. But before that, there's a kind of a celebration once after they won in Julia and Massimo's garden. That's right. Yeah. And they serve everyone pasta. And, uh, delicious. which looks delicious. Yeah, it really does. It's like movie pizza. Yeah. yeah. Like pizza. Yes. It just looks like everything I want. <laughs> Luca's mom is saying that she's proud, proud of her boy, uh, to her mom who's there. 
And uh, who was like the trickster figure who kind of pushed Luca to go explore the human world? And she's like, I come here all the time. Yeah, every weekend. <laughs> um, the mom says, I'm still worried about him though. And the grandma says, Well, everybody isn't going to accept him for who he is, but look at what he's done already. Like, he's gonna find the people that will accept him. And it's a hard lesson to learn, but I think it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, in the end, Luca and Julia head off to go to school. Alberto sticks around in Potoroso to be Massimo's apprentice fisherman. Uh, you know, class trader, because he's gonna be <laughs> hunting down fish from true. the sea. Oh yeah, true. But I mean, what are you gonna do? He's got insider knowledge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like insider trading up in here. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, you know, it's framed with a happy ending. Yeah, Alberto sold the Vespa to... Pay get... for Luca's ticket. Yeah, it's right. nice. And Luca's going to get to go to school with Julia. And Alberto gets his father figure. Yeah. Yes, we because we did find out that Alberto lost his father. Or his father abandoned, abandoned him. So. Yeah, so... I mean, Massimo is an absolute king. So. And he, he, totally he said... Like he in a good way. He always told... Luke Alberto always told Luca throughout the movie, just call that mean voice in your head that's keeping you from living the life you want to live. Call it Bruno Silvano. Se, no, no Silencio Bruno. Silencio Bruno. And and can Shut say, up, and Bruno. then and say Silencio Bruno <laughs> yeah. to silence that voice. Mm -hmm. It turns out his father's name was Bruno. Wow. The Bruno was the abandoning father we met along the way. Oh boy. <laughs> My other car is an abandoning father. <laughs> Splash. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Swimming noises. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a pretty good summary. We should probably head into the delve. Welcome to the delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of Luca. Alicia, you're our special guest. Do you want to lead <laughs> off our discussion? Uh, sure. There's so many themes. I know. So many rich, <laughs> yeah, delicious this movie's packed. themes. It's like a delicious spaghetti sauce. Yes. yes. Thick, rich. Okay, so... Meaty. There's so many. So, obviously, marginalization. Yes. Fear yeah. of the other. That's right. Shame. Mm -hmm. um, harm done to marginalized bodies. Um, there's also really cool, like, pastoral or, uh, you know, rural yes. versus urban elements. So the yeah. sea monster people live underwater in a very, um, th they're like fish herders. Yeah. yeah. They have like a shepherd's Fish shepherds, yeah. And, and they herd sheep and the people sea on sheep. land. Yeah, sea sheep. And they bleat. Is that how you say it? Yeah. 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 Very cute. That was very cute. cute. They have big dumb eyes. Yeah. Um, anyway. And the land monsters are very much, you know, like the modern fishing village that they are. Yeah. Although. Town folk. Another theme that I really like is kind of this mid-century thing with like the Vespas. Yeah. And yeah. the music is and the television. so special. I forgot about the television. Yeah, they're watching like black and white TV and they're oh, yeah. showing like scenes from an actual, I think, Italian soap opera. Very cute. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of themes. I don't know. Which one? Well, with the pastoral ver uh, versus the urban environments, 
you kind of get to see how each side has stories about the other. Yes. And they are othering those who are not like them. Both the sea people and the land people do it to each of the other groups. Yeah, it does a good job of showing that it's not just one side that has a bias against the other. Like, both the sea people, both the sea monsters and the land monsters, <laughs> I, I like those descriptions if we're going to use monster, yeah. are distrustful of the other, have threatening stories, feel like they always have somebody who has an experience that was negative about in interaction. I mean, one of the first lines we hear in the whole movie is what if the old stories are true about the sea monsters attacking people on ships or boats? So yeah, I mean, the movie's doing a good job of showing that it's rarely the case that one side of a conflict is exclusively positive about the other and one side is exclusively negative, right? They all have their biases. They come from Different worlds, in this case, kind of literally, above ground and below water. And they have these, you know, mythologies about the other that are frightening. And I found that to be very realistic and believable. And it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's because these groups haven't taken the time to get to know each other. They're basically neighbors. I mean, the sea is right next to the town. It's a seaside town. Mm -hmm. But... There's never been enough trust established to where they could build any kind of relationship. But I will say that the land monsters have all these weapons and desire to kill sea monsters and all these monuments to killing sea monsters. But the behavior in the film shows that sea monsters actually avoided land monsters. True. So there's no violence coming from the sea. A little bit of theft, but I mean, that's completely understandable when you're pushed to the periphery. You might have to... Resort to some kind of stealing to just survive or just to get by, like like Alberto was doing. Yeah. Isn't Alberto the only thief we see in the movie? I believe so. He's sort of just... I mean, Luca stole our hearts. That's right. (laughs) Aw, he did. And Alberto, yeah, he's kind of like the troubled, you know, preteen. Yeah. I feel like they're younger than teen. Yeah, it seems like it. I think it's like a coming-of-age story, so they're... Mm -hmm. Tweens. They're yeah, they're <laughs> just coming out of childhood. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, you know, like just unsupervised, troubled yeah. tween. He's an abandoned doing whatever kid. he wants. Yeah. Checking out the culture that he was told not to. Yeah. He, he's surviving, trying to find a way to pass the time because he until Luca doesn't really have any friends either. And his father left him. Yeah, and you know, both Luca and Alberto have an interesting um, balance of boldness and fear about going to be with the land monsters. They both kind of want to, but Luca is more on the side of like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. My parents have told me to avoid coming on the land. He's clearly interested. He clearly wants to. Meanwhile, Alberto is driven to go live amongst the land monsters but is slow to trust them. Whereas Luca becomes much quicker enculturated into the land monster world. Right. He's enthralled by human. I mean, so is Alberto, but I think it's like for, it's weird. It's like Luca wants to incorporate. He wants to pass as human, which is another big thing. Passing. And Alberto is like, no, no, no. We just want to get what we want. 
live on the margins of society like we're used to, take what we want, and live free from both underwater life and land monster life and we'll just kind of live our own third thing yeah, yeah that's a great point it's it's separating from all society to protect himself in a lot of ways emotionally right. and physically totally he just wants to travel the world with luca yeah yeah and uh yeah he does see the humans as or the land monsters as something to scavenge from but not to be a part of for sure right and you're right luca does want to learn more about them, so he wants to become a part of them to some extent. And they do that when they make a friend in Julia and her father Massimo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good. And um, when are we going to bring the queer? Yeah. Any we, moment. Are. we are. <laughs> we are. We are. We're edging. We're, yeah, we are. <laughs> we're, we're, we need to go back to the passing comment in just a moment, but I want to talk about their friendship real quick. The yeah, queer is nigh. The queer yeah, is near. It, it, it's nigh. Nice. <laughs> it's, it is near. Um, you had all the rhymes today. Um, but Alberto <laughs> does help Luca come out of his shell. Yes. And learn to take those steps to explore. Because before. Luca was very curious, but afraid to take those initial steps. Mm-hmm. And Alberto helped him come out of his shell. And they created a, a fast bond. And they're going to the human town or the land, see, land monster town because Alberto is trying to help Luca escape from his family that's trying to send him away. For going to the surface. Yeah. Like a bad boy. Yeah. Mm. There's shame in that. And I was like, while we were watching it, I was wondering why... Is this story set in Italy? I was wondering what the connection there is. And then I was looking it up, and uh, it seems like the director... What's his name again? Enrico Casarosa. Uh, the director, Enrico Casarosa. I'm sorry, that's probably terrible. Casarosa? Casarosa. It's actually inspired off of his life and his childhood, going to summers in the Italian Riviera... And um, Alberto is based off of one of his childhood friends that helped him come out of his shell. And so I thought that was really great. And it helped connect the dots for me. Mm. But uh, something that we noticed... Well, there's a few things that we notice, and there's... Uh, oh, we noticed a lot of things. There's a lot of allegory in this film to other things. And one of them, since we're talking about Luca and Alberto, is... Kind of their relationship is a very close friendship, but it also seems like were they older, there could be something more there potentially. Right. They're very affectionate towards one another. They're still pretty young. I think it's mainly a close friendship because they are both like preteen. Yeah. And it's not really quite a romantic relationship, but. You definitely sense that there's something more there between them. Yeah, there is an element to this film that is a coming out story. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And especially with what you were talking about, Alicia, with the uh, passing element. Yeah. It's queer as hell. This movie is queer as hell. (laughs) It's true. Disney might not want us to know that, but it's queer as hell. I think it's probably the foremost theme, at least in my mind. Mm -hmm. Especially with them... Trying to pass as human. Right. And fear um, of threats of violence and ostracization if they're found out for what they really are. Right. Constantly maintaining their image so yeah. that they don't get find out found yeah. out. 
It's definitely a trans allegory for passing as a man or a woman. Right. And, um... Or for passing as straight in a society that yes. is hegemonically yeah. straight. Yeah, if you're gay and you're you're passing as straight, so you could basically, if you're in the closet for your fears or concerns about your safety, like you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, w- I definitely see it as a trans allegory, and it's just a, a great queer allegory in general yeah. for yeah. whatever, but... When I was trying to think of it as, like, a gay allegory, it's not exactly a perfect translation, because I thought it was very funny early in the film when they were talking around the family table. And Grandma's like, I go to the surface all the time. It's just like... (laughs) Okay, sure. Just thinking about Grandma. Oh, yeah, yeah, Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) I used to go and dance with the young girls all the time. Nobody thought anything of it. Yeah, exactly. We're just good friends. Yeah, there was an element of that for sure. (laughs) There's also an element of, you know, who is allowed to have these experiences and who Mm -hmm. isn't. Right. And protecting the young from yeah. having these experiences. And the first time Luca follows Alberto to the surface, Alberto pulls him out of the water without Luca's consent. Yeah. Right. And Luca is freaking out and Alberto's just kind of sitting there and he goes, huh, first time, right? Yeah. And Luca's like, yes, of course it's my first time. I'm a good kid. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Just no, that is troubling. Yeah. Laying it all out, like going to the surface, going through the change. Yeah. Right? yeah the the change. transition from sea monster to land monster, um, at least in appearance, is yeah. associated with like bad yeah. shame. Right. That's what bad kids do. Right. So. That's the story that his parents have told. Right. And it's like entrenched in that society. And in this case, much like in the real world, where all of these elements of queerness and, and you know, trans... Phobia? Well, you know, I was, well no, I was going to say, like, these are natural things. Oh, Luca right. Luca can't change who he is. Exactly. He becomes... He passes as a human when he's out of the water. Mm-hmm. And if he goes into the water, he becomes his natural self or, yeah. or other yeah his sea monster self and it's natural right the just fact like in the real can, world the fact that he can breathe outside of water and yeah. survive underwater is evidence enough that this change that happens is perfectly natural yeah, yeah. perfectly normal for those who are privileged enough to be able to because it's not like regular human land monsters can go into the water and right. start yeah, breathing like they have true. to put on all the equipment that we have in this real world yeah so i mean it's it's almost like this two-spirit type yeah. thing where yeah. there's like yes. a venerated status if it's accepted in that society because you do have viability in both worlds, Yeah, which is so special. Yeah, and the, the only discomfort that Luca experiences is social discomfort. Exactly. It doesn't hurt to no. transition no. out of the water, from the water, out of the water. It's not a painful experience. It's not, it doesn't seem to be any kind of health risk. Mm-hmm. But he feels this shame from his family that has said, no, you're a good boy. You don't do those things. That's for the other. That's for bad people. And the danger isn't only in social ostracization. It's also in the real threat of bodily harm uh, from those who hate and fear him because he's different. From the land monsters. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. 
I was wondering, did you want to expand on what Two-Spirit is, just yeah. for the listeners? Oh, yeah. So, Two-Spirit is a term that some Native American tribes in North America use to describe queer identities. So, sometimes it's trans, sometimes it's um, just broadly queer, LGBT. Um, and I do want to stress that not all tribes subscribe right. to that. Right. But, yeah. um, it is a term that was created, um, I think, in the 90s. To you know, describe a lot of different cultures have their own terms that, because of colonialism and Christianity forced on Native folks, um, Native folks have to deal with the shame inherent in that as well. And they might have lost some of the language used to describe people. Yeah, or they're relearning it now. Yeah. And so that's special too. Yeah, there's a pretty good book, as far as I can tell, called Reclaiming Two Spirits. I saw that book today. Nice. Oh, cool. That seemed to do a great job of talking about the two-spirit identity, addressing that not all tribes like it, and talking yeah. about the history of how it was erased and coming back. So, if any of you listeners are interested, maybe check it out. It's called Reclaiming Two Spirits, Sexuality, Spiritual Renewal, and Sovereignty in Native America by wow. Gregory D. Smithers. Oh, I gotta get me a copy of that. Hell Yeah. <laughs> we saw it today in our local bookshop, Walden Pond Books, over on Grand Ave. Gee, Walden, how come Mom lets you have two spirits? <laughs> God lets you. That's right. But, but Luca. Yeah, and the idea of passing in our allegorical discussion here, it has to do with like performing gender yes and everybody does that though yeah whether you're cis or trans or something else yes <laughs> that's the third thing yeah <laughs> sometimes people like to act like there are inherent qualities to being male or female or what have you and i'm like okay like why is it that only female people are allowed in our society to wear fingernail polish. What about fingernail polish is biologically female? What about long hair? And, you know, long hair is like, this is an old one. We've gotten past this one for the majority of people. But what about long or short hair is biologically coded? Because men can grow long hair. Your body will naturally do it. If your body could not naturally grow its hair past a certain point, then I could see a case being made, but that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so gender identity is a social construct, and it varies from culture to culture what the rules are. Yep. And it varies over time as well. Uh, so everybody performs their gender, and with passing, you are kind of become more hyper-aware of it. Um, you try to fit into the dominant hegemonic yeah. ideal of whatever social groups you're supposed to be a part of. Right. Which is why the idea of passing is problematic in itself. Yes. Like who passes, who doesn't, what happens if you don't. And there's a lot of people who want to expand upon that and like kind of break down like if you're passing or not and just kind of understand gender expression as more of a fluid Thing. Right. I was exactly about to say gender expression mm -hmm. compared to gender identity. Yeah. Because for a long time, for example, my 
gender expression has not been stereotypically masculine pretty much ever. But everyone still pretty much genders me as a man. Yes. Everywhere I go, I have long hair and wear a lot of jewelry. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I wear high heel shoes, you know? Yeah. And people are still like, that's a man right there. You know, even with a face of makeup, too. And that's fine. I don't mind it. But, like, when you ask someone what, like, a man or a woman is, at, like, the best of times, it's really hard to define. And when you're discussing it in a group, there are a lot of people who will disagree. Yes. People will be like, oh, men do this. And someone will be like, no, not always. Or, like, I don't do that, right? In not every all group. Men. Not all men. <laughs> I know. I, I specifically tried not to say that. <laughs> not to generalize, but when there are, when you have a group of people discussing what makes a man or a woman or whatnot, and there is little disagreement, I believe that this is usually the types of people who have a very limited view. Yeah. On I- what makes somebody fall into a particular gender or sexual identity or expression. Yeah. When I, Try to think of, like, who is a man or a woman, or what does it look like to be non-binary? It's really fucking difficult to define all this stuff, and it really starts to break down for me. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's a really weird tradition that we seem to have essentialized of categorizing people based on their genitals. Yeah. We could probably do without it. Like general body type. Yeah. Yeah. Like we could probably do without that. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long time. I'd like to imagine a future where we've done away with like the need to to kind of look at somebody and be like, ah, yes, I can identify what is hidden underneath your clothes. Right. Oh, your baby is so cute. Does it have a dick or a vagina? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, well, that's a very personal question. I don't feel like answering that. I know. And when you you change the wording, you're really, like, pointing out what people are really asking about. Right. Yeah. Or, like, the idea of, like, toys for boys and girls. Yeah. There's a flow chart that's basically a meme now where it's like, is this toy for boys or girls? Do you need a genital to operate it? <laughs> yeah. And it's if you don't, then it's for all then kids for anybody, no matter yeah. what. Like, yeah. And if it if you do need a genital to operate this toy, it's not for kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I oh got to tell you real quick. Yes. When I worked at Toys R Us. <laughs> hey, no plugs on the show. <laughs> when I worked at Dead Toy Company <laughs> that went out you of business. Dead toys. <laughs> Yes, to ghosts. Nice. It was cool. pretty awesome. Are they hiring? I, <laughs> you have to be a ghost. But yes. uh, they went out of business. And, uh, Yay. But not when I was working there. When I was working there, we went through a, a process at the end of the day of getting all the toys that were out of place and putting them back where they belong. Right. Now, Ooh. I found... An item. It was a broom and dustpan. Mm-hmm. I said, where does this go? Does it go in the supply closet? And someone said, that goes in the girls section. Oh my God. I said, why does this go in the girls section? And they said, because it's a toy. I looked at the dead ass actual broom and dustpan. I said, 
this is a toy. And they they knew what I was getting at and thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> and they're like, okay, not not really, but it is. I'm like, okay, dude. Ah, uh, a domestic training tool. Right. Yeah. And it, when I went back into, like, the girls' section, it was all just, like, fake stoves, other actual cleaning supplies. Just, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there were, like, paper towels there. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, a Hasbro wall sign that says, like, it's juice o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Just a live, laugh, cry uh, wall gone. Mama needs her juice, and I need a lot of juice. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's wrong with this section? It's cursed. Anyway, it's cursed, yeah. that's a bad... Gender right there. <laughs> bad gender expression. Bad gender expression. Very bad gender expression. Yeah. But yeah, you don't need a vagina to operate that. No. No. I, you know, I've known a lot of men who probably could have stood to have the broom and mop <laughs> toy when they were kids. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there was a toy that was like the Easy Bake Oven, pretty much. That where oh dude I always wanted one. one of those things I had one it was delicious yeah junk food exactly that shit seems rad <laughs> it was only in the girls section well duh it was pink yeah well there you are need colors. a vagina to operate it <laughs> that's right <laughs> it doesn't I plug into the wall that painful <laughs> it just plugs into your vagina <laughs> and powers oh my it. God. <laughs> are you familiar with the Harry Potter flying broomstick I toy? am. Do you know about that one? No, actually, I don't. This it was, was, this was a... it was a toy broomstick from Harry Potter. They fly around on the broomsticks. Uh, okay. Jack means from a popular series of uh, books by a terrible person. That's by a right, terrible person by who someone shut the hell up who yeah. would not enjoy Luca or should not. Yeah. Uh, Good. I mean, no, they should. They should. They should learn a lot from this. Film. That's right. But this. Flying broom toy yes. had a button that when you'd press it, it would play music and the whole thing would vibrate. Very popular <laughs> toy for young girls. Wow. It was. I don't know if that's a meme or if that's true. It was true and they revoked it. They stopped selling it. Wow. Wow. I a just lot of uh, interesting wake up uh, yeah. moments. Like I just remember. This like, novel series is kind of hype. <laughs> <laughs> Best-selling book of all time? I wonder why. Now, I just want to ask just a quick question, Jack. How much would you say that you were responsible for Toys R Us uh, closing down across the country? Was it all that overtime? (laughs) (laughs) They would not let us have any overtime, and I, through trickery, got a lot of overtime. Nice. And so... Stick it to them. Uh... It appears any amount was too much. <laughs> I think they closed down like a few months after you left. They For legal did. purposes, this is a bit. That's Thank right. You. Is yeah. that true? Oh, do we have to be careful about that? Oh, I don't know. I just right. hate corporations. Oh, sure. I mean, they're, Toys R Us is deader than... Uh, I feel like the only Jeffrey thing that might survive would be their lawyers. Yeah. A good point. Yeah. Don't You can't slander. They're going to like be at our door <laughs> yeah. in a second. Do not slander. Do not slander the Dead great name of Jeffrey the Giraffe. Yeah, but the guy they put in the Jeffrey the Giraffe costume for Christmas oh, no. was vaping inside of it, so vape was coming out of the eye <laughs> oh, sockets. Oh, my God. That's rad. 
I would if I didn't hate vaping so much, that would be a cool story. It's uh, it was such a funny choice they chose that guy. They were gonna have me do it, obviously. I mean, you're very giraffe-like. I was too tall, though. Ironic, isn't it? You were too tall for the giraffe costume. Yes. But Luca. about Luca. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, We talked about it being a coming-of-age story, and we were edging about it being a coming-out story. That's right. Right. I killed Jeff. So... (laughs) It kind of shows... How that can be an exciting exploration, but also anxiety-ridden and be a a difficult road to walk. I mean, both coming out and coming of age are fraught times for people. I mean, there are fraught experiences. There are times that we are filled with anxiety and fear and misinformation. How much misinformation do we get fed culturally about what it's like to grow up? Yeah. So there's times when you might blunder, like what you were talking about, Alicia, when um, Alberto kind of pushes Luca out of the water before he was ready. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like pushing somebody to express themselves and to kind of come out before they're ready. Yeah. And that can be really damaging. Yeah, it can. But then he kind of treats him more gently after that and they're able to kind of take their time. Yeah, he does kind of provide a type of aftercare. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, you stack all your bones one on top of the other and this is how you walk and this is what you say and I'll help you, you know, fit in and I'll teach you everything about being a human because I invented it. Yeah. (laughs) He's very confident. Yes. Alberto, if if nothing else, he is confident when the stakes are low. Mm Mm-hmm. He knows that those lights in the sky are fish. Right, and you can't tell him otherwise. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So he is trying to be an ally in the way that he knows how. And like we said, they're just coming out of being children. So they're both kind of making mistakes. Yeah, and Alberto makes another mistake by trying to get Luca to out himself Again. to Julia. Yeah. And then the stakes feel much higher for Luca. Because it's not with somebody who knows what he is at this point. He's still afraid and he's denying who he is to other people and kind of afraid to come out to others. And that can feel very painful for somebody in Alberto's position. He feels betrayed. Oh, I mean, that was a painful scene to watch for both of them. Really sad. Yeah. Because Luca, at this point, he's really excited about all the knowledge that Julia is sharing with him from her school. And he really wants to maintain his human-like form so that he could go to school one day with Julia, which Alberto absolutely hates. You know, he calls it the boring thing. Yeah, very jealous. Luca does want all the things that go along with fitting in. Yes, and so he's even willing to betray his best friend to get it, which is really sad. But it was a complicated moment, too, because he is betraying Alberto in a way, but Alberto is also kind of betraying Luca by trying to get Luca to... Out himself. Out himself. And 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 he doesn't feel safe. Yeah, he doesn't feel safe emotionally or physically because uh, Ericola is right there, like, ready to attack. Yeah, so in the movie, they show the danger as physical violence, which is often, unfortunately, true for queer people in real life, too. But there's also the social violence in the form of bullying that people have to go through, and that 
that's another thing that people queer people deal with uh which would be common in this kind of situation like yeah. in the scenario they showed where one person is coming out the other is denying who they are and not being a supporter of their friend who's being bullied basically right and the real problem is that they're not having they're not capable of having mature discussions or just level discussions about what the best time to come out is or what would be the best approach for one of them versus the other. It is very much like they both see it that the other should follow their lead. Alberto wants Luca to just say, fuck it. Like when the time comes, just expose yourself and people have to live with it. Luca wants Alberto to reel it in a bit and not rush things because he doesn't know how people will react. And it could lead to violence, including death, to both of them. It is not, they're not coming out in a safe context. Right, that's the key, is that the stakes are really high. Because the other thing is they both want different things out of this new society. The society that vilifies and demonizes them. Alberto mostly just wants a Vespa. He just wants a Vespa and he just wants to cruise around. Yeah, he wants he wants the sweet, sweet freedom that only capitalism can give him. (laughs) Yes. But meanwhile, Luca wants the opportunity to explore this world and explore the culture of this world, to explore knowledge and learning. He wants to know about the stars and all the things Julia is learning at school and wants to like go on a journey. I think he wants to go on it with Julia and Alberto because at the end of the movie, when they are leaving for school, he's really disappointed that Alberto is not coming. Mm-hmm. But Alberto has found a place where he is comfortable and he's found this father figure in Massimo who is going to give him the love and care that he did not get from his own biological father. And there is the scary moment at the end of the race when they are exposed in front of everyone. And it is a very dangerous moment. Yes. Uh, Everybody then, pulls their spears out. Yeah. Yeah. But then a respected member of the community does stand by their side and is an ally to them. And that gets other people to listen. Yes. Right. Because... They do respect Massimo. (laughs) And so they... They, Or they are terrified of him. (laughs) They listen what he has to say, so the movie also shows the importance of allies. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And sacrificing a bit of your privilege to stand up for people who have less than you. Yeah. 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 And Massimo is somewhat of a marginalized person himself. He seems to be on the poorer end of the social hierarchy here because... His business isn't doing well until he gets some help from, you know, class trader Alberto, (laughs) who helps him find all the fish. That's right. Also, Massimo was only born with one arm. That's right. Right. So he knows a bit about being marginalized himself, which is potentially why he might be more readily able to accept Luca and Alberto. And he's a single father. Yeah. And his daughter Julia is like, you know, the weirdo kid, underdog, dresses funny, super sweaty. Yeah. yeah. Which just makes she's us rad. love her even more. She's so rad. And, and she's a total ally to them. Once once she finds out, you know, yeah. she becomes really worried about their safety. She wants to do what's best for them. Hey, guys, you know, all this talk about fish has made me think about our patrons. So here's the thing. 
we have one of our patrons right here with us to tell you how great it is to be a patron of Swords and Satire. So, so great. Really great. Yay! Every episode they talk about how much they love me and appreciate me and how I keep the torches lit here at Castle Satire. That's right. Which is lovely, and thank you for inviting me. Aw, we love having you here. And if you want to be awesome, like Alicia, you can go over to patreon.com slash swords and satire and join our Patreon community. We have tiers for all different types of budgets, and uh, you get cool stuff with each tier. But we're not promising to invite you into our home. (laughs) (laughs) That does not come with every tier of patronage. Yeah, that requires something more intangible. (laughs) (laughs) It's called it factor. factor. (laughs) Alicia just has it. Some people will never have it. Um, (laughs) Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a really good investment and a great way to get a bunch of bonus episodes. Yeah. So, like, what more can you possibly want? For instance, I recommended this film, and here we are talking about it. Yeah. Look at the power you hold in your hands. Life fulfilled. Yeah. This episode came months in the planning. That's right. right. Yes. Getting four adult humans into the same room at the same time is very challenging, it turns out. It's magic. (laughs) It's fantasy. (laughs) But hey, back to the movie. Isn't it like a Disney Pixar thing? To have the mom be out of the picture? Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Her mom, Julia's mom, is around, but only present in the after credit pictures, It basically. seems like her mom lives where Julia goes to school. Her mom Genova. lives in Genova. Yeah. Genova. Genova. She's an artist, and so she makes a living as an artist there, and so Julia goes to live with her mom when she goes to school. She stays summers with Massimo. You pick mm-hmm. all that up... Uh, just from the after credit, like, uh, <laughs> art, yeah. <laughs> but, so, the ending of the movie is one that I have complex feelings about, right? Because Massimo's great, and I'm glad that, you know, the kids are able to get the support from the community. But, there's a line that I think actually really nicely encompasses this that we've already cited here, and that's that... Some people are going to accept you and some oh, people won't. Yeah. And the scary reality is for somebody who might be outed to a wider community, it can go quite badly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ambivalent about the ending of the movie. This is a kid's movie. I think the ending of the movie is totally fine and, and exactly what it should be. It should have an air of positivity and a hope that people can be better. That's usually how a lot of movies end, right? I think it can be really empowering for people to see that acceptance. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then see how coming out can go well. Yes. Right. And what that looks like. And it is a journey throughout the film. Yeah. It's not just an instantaneous like, oh, these people are both land and sea monsters and they change and that's totally fine. It is a process that requires a journey. Mm -hmm. So it is sad because it's hopeful, this message that not everyone will accept you, but you can find the people who do. It is very complex because it's hopeful, but it's tempered. (laughs) But at the same time, it kind of tells you, don't waste your emotional resources and your time and effort on the people who won't accept you. I yes. Think. 
Yeah, it's like yeah. a it's a hopeful optimism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. It's not toxic positivity, like everything's always gonna work out because that's just how it works. No, yeah. it's not. It's a scary, violent world. And in fact, if they said that it would kind of be irresponsible. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I actually think that it's really good the line from the grandmother that some people are not going to accept yeah. you for what you are and kinda like fuck them. Which right. I agree, but like also you have to be careful in the real world. The and fuck them is implied. <laughs> yeah, the fuck yeah. them is implied. Yeah, grandmother didn't say it's that. The subtext. I mean, she have, yeah. But. but it's also really good that, you know, she pointed out too that Luca has a way of finding those who are going to yes. accept him. He's got a knack for it. And that's the key is like you need to raise your kids with that kind of Yeah. You know. For be discerning. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he now has, Luca has had the experience uh, knowing what it's like to be accepted by those who love and support him and what it looks like to be ostracized by those who fear him for being different. Yeah. And so he has learned to tell the difference. Yeah. And in the credits, too, you get a lot of, like, extra lore, right? Or, like, extra... Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, storyline. Yeah. There's a part where he's clearly at school because there's like a you know a teacher figure an adult and then a bunch of kids and luca's sticking his hand in a fish tank or fish bowl (laughs) and he's showing the kids like look i have scales on my head when i get wet and everyone's like oh my god (laughs) and they seem to be impressed yeah it's it's neat to them yeah it's like a parlor trick it's just that's another example of why the movie being a gay allegory is a little (laughs) less flexible right Yeah, yeah Just showing it off to the class. Oh. <laughs> Look at this neat trick I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how when I kiss another boy, I really like it. Well, oh, I cool. Think, I think it's <laughs> That's like, neat. I think it's, you couldn't, it's not a literal one for one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like a representation of what is it like to kind of show a little bit of yourself to somebody else to test out if they are a friend or an ally or not. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, to some extent, part of the movie is relying on this idea that, like, kids who are not inherently, like, filled with hateful messages and narratives will just be like, oh, cool. Like, we're friends. Whatever you are is totally fine because I already like you. Mm -hmm. So I don't... And to some extent, like... That's how kids will work. Kids are very flexible with their ideas. If you haven't pre-biased them against people. Right. Yes. Fear and shame are learned. They are. And internalized. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's one part, there's one part in the film where before Luca goes to the surface at all and he's, um, he's hurting his little fish. H e r d herding, yeah. yeah. No oh, fish cruelty. Shepherding. Later, there's fish cruelty. Okay. Anyway, so he's shepherding his fish, and um, there's one problematic fish that always wanders off, and he's like, "Oh, he's he's probably out roaming the world, but he's probably dead." Yeah. <laughs> because it's like you know, you're not supposed to go wander off. You're not yes. supposed to go experience the rest of the world because it's dangerous. Luke is something of a little pessimist. But he's revealing his indoctrination, right? Yeah. Like, in order to preserve yourself, you have to, like, just hate exploration and you can't open yourself up to the possibilities of what else is out there in life. And it kind of reminds me of, like, an abstinence-only training. Yes! <laughs> Particularly from the film Something that mean doesn't Girls, work. If you remember when he's like, 
don't have sex standing up, don't have sex lying down, otherwise you'll die. <laughs> Take some condoms. And then that's that's basically... Wow, sex ed. Sex ed at public school. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it also reinforced really nicely that the idea of the uh, the ocean is it's got to be feared. That's true. Right. I like that. Probably my most favorite theme from the movie is fear of the ocean. Fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always a yeah. bigger most fish. powerful fear. Always a bigger fish. Qui-Gon Jinn said that. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And look what happened to them. Or him. He got killed by Darth Maul. Ouch. A bigger fish. Yeah. <laughs> With a bigger lightsaber. That's right. That yeah. lightsaber had two blades. Saber and D. Double, <laughs> double D. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, Darth, how come your mom lets you have two lightsabers? You can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Guys, I could probably talk about this movie all night, but we should probably head into the smithy. Night, day, whoever knows when we're recording this. I mean, I know when we're recording it right now. (laughs) Welcome to the smithy where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. Alicia, as our special guest, do you want to give us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from one to ten harpoons? Ooh. (laughs) The object of violence? Yeah. Sure. Um, (laughs) There's so many things I love about this movie. So many scenes, so many themes. Um, I really have to say, I'm going to cheat. Because I'm here. That's fair. You're allowed. Yeah. Um, you pay us. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I've paid for this. Yeah. I'm entitled. But I do want to say that the music is so good. It's not like other recent Pixar films where they have like original songs. They use mid-century Italian pop songs that nice. I do listen to. And I was very surprised to hear it. Nice. During the first viewing of this movie. Um so I really love that. I really love the grandma. I really love the cat Machiavelli. But my favorite scene is the end when sweet daddy Massimo yeah. stands up for Luca yeah. and Alberto when everyone wants to kill them for being different, for being disgusting sea monsters. And he's like, no, no, no. I know who they are. That's Luca. That's Alberto. And they're our friends. They're our family now. And um, everyone in the town, uh, well, first of all, they don't want to mess with Massimo. Yeah. And second of all, Luca's parents come rushing in to, you know, potentially protect him. And they reveal themselves as sea monsters. And it's like, oh, maybe I've seen those people around town. Yeah. I guess they were sea monsters the whole time. And then these two women, these two older women who are always together in every scene, enjoying gelato together and Aww. wandering around the town. They're Very cute. best friends. They're historically <laughs> best friends. Yes. Very close in friends. In the historical sense. And after Massimo stands up to everybody and basically tells them, you're not going to touch these kids. You're not going to harm these kids. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. The two old ladies, it's raining, right, in the scene. Yeah. They remove their umbrellas and they reveal that they've been living in this town as sea monsters the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And the non-sea monster folks, um, you know, 
they take this flyer that is like, you know, we kill sea monsters around here, yeah. and they rip it in half and say, you know what? We don't need this anymore. Yeah. That's right. And homophobia is ended. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so that's my scene. Nice. And because it's Disney and we didn't really talk a lot of shit about Disney, um, I will ne- I will never give it a 10 out of a 10. That's fair. Just because of corporate evilness. So it's a nine. Deadly harpoons. All right. Okay. That's yeah. fair. I like that you stand by um, your morals and and will not give this. Yeah, terrible I mean, I love it. Who sometimes makes good movies, but also sometimes funds anti LGBT legislation. Yeah. Yeah. Put up or shut up, Disney. Right. How about you, Jack? <laughs> Do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature, and then give it a rating from one to ten harpoons? Yeah, I think I ought to do that. Well, for starters, my epic moment and or feature was also that exact scene with Massimo. <laughs> yes. Because, Ma- or just the entire character of Massimo there is just go. so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. He's just this big, tough looking guy, but he, like he's a single dad. He's got one arm. You Teddy know? bear. He, he is a real bear. He, yeah, he just accepts the responsibility of two new strange kids moving into his house because his daughter said so. Into his yeah. Sorry, I just got an image of a bear in a teddy. Oh. And I was like, wow, that's great. That's so um, and I need to see it. Massimo in a teddy. Yeah! <laughs> 100% if a bear wanted to eat people, that'd be like the perfect ploy. Yes, it yeah. would. Just the like, old sexy bear trap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> a real honey trap. I've lost track of we're talking about it's like literal a, bears or <laughs> gay bears. It's like That's a, what I was talking about. It's like a traducan. It's just... <laughs> so Massimo. But yeah, Massimo. <laughs> he's just got such a good energy to him. He does. I'm not entirely sure why he's this zealous monster hunter, but, like... It's tradition. Yeah, he's part of the culture that he grew up in. I'm pretty sure that's just it, because, like I said, he lets these two young boys just move into his house because his daughter said so. He feeds them. Mm -hmm. He lets them work for him. That's another thing we didn't talk about. In the film, it's set in a time and place where kids... Working is totally fine. <laughs> yeah. <Oops>. <laughs> Underwater and above Yuck. water. Yeah. Yeah, he's the first to accept them into his house, and he still just lets them live with him. I love... In his tree. Yeah. I love at the end the way he has taken on that fatherly role. Yeah. yeah. Heart of gold, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. His character he's is pretty epic. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the movie is just so cute. Yeah. <laughs> and fun. I really like the way it visualizes a kid's imagination a lot. Yes. Luca has daydreams quite a few times throughout the movie, and it's a lot of fun. It has a lot of inside jokes contained within the movie where they say that stars are fish up in the sky. And when Luca gets hit in the head, you see luminous fish going around his head <laughs> instead great. of stars. Yeah, it's great. It's just, and, yeah, and the music is great. And when he has a dream, he goes up into the stars with Alberto and they're swimming fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just 
it's fun, and that's pretty much it. I feel good watching it, and I feel seen as a queer person watching it. Yes. So, I'm probably also going to give this movie 9 out of 10 harpoons. Nice. A respectable rating. And I disrespect corporations also. Hell yeah. I think we're going to have a consensus around that. Yes. Thank you for putting that discontentment in my heart. Yeah. Anytime. It was my pleasure. All right, Cassidy, we come to you. Can you give us an epic moment or feature and then your rating from one to ten harpoons? I can. So. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. We've done this long enough. We all know what we're doing. My epic feature is the friendship between Luca and Alberto. And I want to highlight that by talking about the scene at the end when uh, Luca is getting on the train and it turns out that Alberto sacrificed part of his dream to help Luca find his. And um, because Alberto realized that what he was looking for really was just leading him away from being close to people Mm. and what he really wanted changed over the course of his friendship with Luca and he wanted that connection with others and so he's gonna stay with Massimo and um we find that out with Luca being afraid to leave Alberto being afraid to go away even though he wants to he says I can't leave you you know you're alone how do I know you'll be okay and they both tear up, and it's really a difficult moment, but also heartwarming. Yeah. And that's when Alberto tells him, you know, you helped me. You already helped get me out of that tower, off of that island. Yeah. And I'm going to be staying with Massimo. I am okay. I want you to go. And then they hug, and they just have such tenderness towards each other. And it's, even though they've had their tumultuous times, like, They've had a lot of good times that they mostly have helped each other grow. And um, it's a really good friendship, and I love it. And that's such a sweet scene. <laughs> that is nice. And I think that says a lot about how I feel about the movie, too. I think it has a lot of good messages. I also feel seen as a queer person, so thank you for saying that, Jack, too. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it shows, like, the highs and lows of being different. You can find friendship. You can find allies, people who accept you and validate you. And there are real dangers to being different from the dominant culture. Um, But you can find your safe havens. And I like showing the reality of it, but also there's the hope too. So I appreciate that. And uh, so I'm also going to give it 9 out of 10 and we can't give it the perfect score because of the corporate greed. Yeah. Oh, nine out of nine out of ten harpoons. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Gotta yeah. get that rating system in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? What's your epic moment or feature, and your rating from one to ten deadly harpoons? Yeah, please tell us, Jamie. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> but unfortunately, my epic moment has been or, sorry. But unfortunately, my epic feature has been swooped up because it was definitely Massimo. Because he's just the best. But that's okay. I'll say that my epic feature is Machiavelli the cat. Yeah. First off, Machiavelli the cat. So, perfect. No notes. (laughs) (laughs) Second off, a lot of great humor with uh, with Machiavelli. 
he is constantly eyeing Luca and Alberto because as a cat, <laughs> he wants to eat fish. And they are fish people. And he's more shrewd than humans. He sees what they are. That's right. He can smell it, I'm sure. That salty smell is not just coming from the sea. It's coming from that crusted flesh. (laughs) He also catches them green-handed multiple times. True. With their wet scales. Machiavelli, much to his namesake's credit, sees through and also plays a good deceptive game, not letting other people know what he knows. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he's a good kitty. That's where Cats 2019 ties into the episode. God damn it. All right, lay it on me. I mean, he just fits in perfectly. He's a cat with... He's a cat with secrets. He's jellical. Yeah. I'm surprised there's not a cat named Machiavelli in Cats 2019. There's McCavity. Yeah. Basically the same thing. Yeah. Do you think Machiavelli has also broken every human law? I I hope not. <laughs> Me too. Isn't that what cats do, though? Kind of. But yeah, I mean, this movie has a kitty cat, so and, I don't know. And he has a mustache. Yes, much Very like cute. all the other people in the town, all the other men in <laughs> right. the town, male-bodied people in the town, Machiavelli has a cute little mustache. Yeah. Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. <laughs> Has a handlebar mustache. Okay. Oh, shit. There it is. There it is. Machiavelli appearing in Cats Cats 2019 when? Cats 2019 (laughs) 2. Please make it happen. And you know, other important detail. This is a Pixar movie. Therefore, Disney movie. Therefore, this is the Kingdom Hearts. Why did Sora never show up with Goofy and Donald to come help? Fight off the townspeople. Wait a minute. Hold on. This this breakdown is not working well. <laughs> so as far as my rating goes, <laughs> I definitely think this movie deserves a near-perfect 9 out of 10 rating. It is very cute. It is very heartfelt. You know, if I was a writer and I got an offer to make a movie for Disney, knowing that they're a terrible corporation, but able to provide a good positive message for queer and alternative and just generally outcast people, I wouldn't turn it down. I would want to tell that story and I would stick it to them as much as I possibly could. And I think this movie does a really good job of that. It is really cute and really heartfelt and full of great characters and a great story arc. And it just, does it all really nicely, and at the end, I felt really good. So, and of course, I had a great time talking with you guys about it. So, nine out of ten harpoons. Bravo. Being with friends, ten out of ten. That's all right. right, eleven out of ten. Yeah, I appreciated the <laughs> bravo right there. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I mean, grazie. No. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia, thank you so much for joining us again. It was my pleasure. It's been such a blast having you. I love it. Yeah, it has. It's been great. Got to hang out and then record, and it's awesome. It's like my birthday. Yeah. You always bring such great energy to the show. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Nice. Yeah. Happy to be here. Do you have any messages you want to share with the listeners? Like yourself? Fuck Disney. 
Ah, there we go. The most important message of them all. Hail queers. Yay! As always, if you enjoyed the show, you should probably follow us on social media at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so you can keep up with the show, find out what we're doing next time, and check out our memes. I know how much you just enjoyed all of that, but you know what's a better way to enjoy your favorite podcast? If you share it with your favorite people. If you share our show with your friends and family, it's just about one of the best ways you could support us. And we appreciate it very much. And we're happy to know that you're enjoying the wacky stuff we do with some of your favorite wacky folks. That's That's right. right. All right. Well, until next time. Hail Crom. I mean Crom. Yay. Queer queer Crom. Yeah. Queer Crom.